That's the end. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night, where it's never, ever, ever too late for the Leafs. Presented by Inside the Rink, host Roscoe, joined by Steph, the fanalist. I uh, just wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever thought of comparing a goalie's legs to <laughs> trees? Maybe not a goalie, but definitely John Tavares or Austin Matthews with those tree trunks of theirs. Oh my god. Okay, okay. I guess that's that's pretty fair. Um, but what I'm referring to is uh, I was watching not the American, but the Canadian Sportsnet broadcast. But it was a national one, so uh, that's why I was able to watch it here in nice. Ottawa, in the faraway land from Toronto. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Obviously, they had um, Gary something. He's a, a Leaf hater. Canucks fan. Yeah, <laughs> Leaf hater as the commentator. And was just talking about how um, the typical kind of digs at Toronto, you know, how big Nashville is and how much they hit and how good their defense is. And Yossi and, and McDonough are, you know, the best defensive pair. And, you know, McDonough has been a, a Leaf killer on Tampa. <laughs> and now they should be happy he's not there. But now they got to play him tonight. And it was just so much like, oh, my God, I get it. But the last thing was he compared UC Soros' legs to redwood trees. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm done listening. I'm done paying attention to anything you're saying. That's it. Oh, man. Juicy douchey as one of my fantasy team, team names are. Every time I see Juicy, UC Soros, uh, that's all I think about. But... Um, what I had in mind was that he is actually the shortest goalie in the league. Did you know that, Roscoe? That's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah. He does look small-ish, but I would never figure he's the smallest. Yeah, so he's 5'10", uh, for all the short kings out there. <laughs> Don't worry, there's hope, and this guy is proof that he's an elite, elite goaltender, and like tonight, no kidding. wow, what a performance by both uh, UC Soros and Matt Murray. Yeah, it was a battle of the tendies tonight. Um, one, I just got to throw up an Ed's text here. Oh, yes. Uh, the, so, and it's been a while, eh? Yeah. Uh, first one of the new year. So, I mean, personally, this is not his text, but personally, I felt that UC Soros played a pretty good game. A very good game, in fact. Uh, I think there was a lot of chances the Leafs had, like, I mean, Nylander had breakaway bunting had chances that should have gone in uh, Kerfoot had that one timer there was a lot of them that you know he made big saves on yeah but uh Ed's text every shot before Marner goal was very stoppable Murray had tougher shots he was solid so Ed's text thinking uh Leafs had some some weak shots on Saros tonight what do you think I mean he made 30 some odd saves I think so uh what do you think Oh, 100%. Um, even in the first period, I thought the Leafs, even though the first two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes in, they were 4 nothing on the shot counter. But then right after, or Nashville had th an opportunity that led to three shots attempts right on. And I don't know, I felt like no high danger shots were getting to the net at all. Like, it was not a boring game, but something where you're like, oh, like, it's not even like a close call at times. 
Well, I mean, Nashville, they're the Islanders of the West, right? Like, they have a bit more goal scoring than the Islanders do, I think. But uh, it's they're just so heavily defensive and have such great goaltending that it, it can get, in a way, boring to watch, where it just feels like there's nothing generating. You know, you just feel like everything's in the uh, the neutral zone. There's a couple shots. They're cycling it around. I felt like so many times I was watching them carry it, and then just behind the net, behind the net every time, they're like, I, I got nothing. I don't know where to go here. But again, that's that's McDonough and Yossi and, you know, Carrier. And there's a lot of really great defensemen there. So that's the way that Nashville plays. Yeah, 100 percent. They've done it for what the, I'd say the better part of the last five years. That's been their identity has just been shut down, heavy hitting defensive team. I mean, even back to to when Weber was there, that's always kind of been their identity. They just kept it going. So oh, yeah. lucky for them. Like it's like the Rangers. They get to move on from Pecorine to now UC Soros. So they, they kind of just get to luckily keep their their flow going yeah first meeting of the year i believe last season uh last time we faced the predators we were chatting about the pecorine uh statue do you remember that and discussing if he even deserved that statue and look at look at where we are now and how far nashville has come where sorrows is the number one guy and you know Yossi's not slowing down tonight with his was his eight eight hundredth NHL career game and man what a captain what a leader twenty three fifty seven tonight on ice I'm so glad I have him in one of my fantasy teams let me tell you <laughs> I just feel like uh, Nashville's one of those teams that uh, they tend to maintain the same players like people tend to retire predators like is that just me like there's a lot of guys that tend to stay there for their the length of their time i might be crazy but or at least for a long time so i feel like saros is going to be one of those guys where you know in in 15 years they're going to be like can we just like chisel the uh the rene statue a little bit and just like change the name on the bottom make him look like saros <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember because i guarantee like he's gonna have better stats because like we went through this nashville has no huge names in their all-time goal scoring right so yeah exactly the biggest name for me is philip forsberg Uh, he's a force uh to be reckoned with and it just reminds me of the time matt duchene remember where he was a league bouncer for a little while after his colorado days and then he went to ottawa for a couple years then a year in columbus and finally found a home in nashville and hey he had a career year last year and this year it's Hoping for a second better half of the season. Let me just say that because I also drafted him in a lot of leagues. Sorry, I'm talking about fantasy a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like that's a good way to put it, though. People find a home in Nashville. I, I feel like players tend to get comfortable there and they, they have no problem signing long term and sticking around. I feel like it's a, a nice atmosphere, a good place to raise a family, too. It's not too crazy party wise and you still have access to a lot of things. I think it's it'd be a fun city to play hockey and, you know, you don't have too much of a spotlight, but it seems like there's still a pretty hardcore fan base. Yeah, Yarn Croak in his uh, pregame interview was saying that Nashville's super special to him. He spent a good chunk of his career there. His children were born there. Um, he became a slight country music lover after a while. I guess you don't really have a choice, but, but, um, but yeah, not much else there. <laughs> yeah. I was really hoping for him tonight to, you know, pot a goal or do something crazy on the ice just to stick it to them. But Hey, I'm so glad yarn croak is late. <laughs> um, I just remembered something I did say Nashville's not huge on partying, but I'm pretty sure it's the, um, what is it? The, the brides, what's the. 
the party before the wedding um, for the bride. The bridal, the, not the what the 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 shower, not um, the bridal shower, but the bachelorette. That's where everyone goes party. for their bachelorette. Thank you. Okay. Yes. I was just gonna say Nashville is the bachelorette party capital of the world. Yeah, this is a take it back for you later. I believe everyone yeah. I've yeah, known yeah, yeah. who's been to Nashville has had the time of their life. I've never been, so I can't speak to it. But I'm also like, eh, like I'm I'm a country music hater. <laughs> so me too. I don't think I would rock out with the rest of y'all. But I my partner is the biggest country music lover, so I'd probably just oh really yeah yeah like it's big time. Yeah, if you drink enough beer, it's fine. Oof, yeah, get a case down, and we'll we'll be prepared. <laughs> um no i i can handle it i'm not like a a whiny little bitch about it but one other thing i've heard about nashville is something that's really popular there i guess in turn with the bachelorette party thing you know those bikes where you can have like there's like a bar and you sit at it and pedal the trolley it's like a massive things it's like yeah it's like a trolley thing where you like pedal everyone's just like sitting at a bar pedaling and apparently those are huge there like everybody's just used to it and you have to dodge them in the streets it's it's massive. That's the first thing I thought of when you said bachelorette, because that's the first thing the, the girls do is find one of those and yeah. hop on uh, just from go. the pics I see. But uh, hey, dad's... Pretty sure my friend's sister did it. Yeah, I'm sure like at least half of the girls I went to high school did it. Okay. With, so, oh, yeah. And I went to an all-girls school. But... Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Um, oh, something spiky stuck in my knee. Oh, that's Sorry, go nice. on. Dad night. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a pine needle or something. Dad's trip for the buds. Um, just another thing to throw out there. I guess they're going to be partying tonight with this big win, even though they're in Toronto. But I was really hoping to see Michael Bunting's dad go a little crazy in the crowd after, I don't know, some hopeful plays. But hey, we've still won. Two things. A, Michael Bunting looks exactly like his dad. Mm-hmm. That is insane. B, why is it dad's trip if they're just in Toronto? Don't they usually take them somewhere with them on the road or are they like leaving tomorrow? I don't know. That's a good question because I was wondering the same thing. And the only reason why I knew was because I uh, watched the <laughs> the interviews, but the Leafs are... They, mu- they might be going with them to Detroit tonight. So they yeah. were like, we'll make it a two night thing. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And then uh, Boston on Saturday. So coming back... Uh, at home, mm, Florida, okay. Tuesday. So I guess it was kind of a, a short and close road trip. So like, yeah, you guys can do one at home too. Yeah, you can't come this time. <laughs> but So biggest thing on the night is today, fantasy owners and people watching Twitter and everyone who follows the Leafs closely got the update that Austin Matthews, though finished practice, ruled out for tonight um what do let's put our speculation hats on first back what's going on here is he the rest load management is this a positive cocoa test well it seemed very positive because in the optional skate he attended and seemed 100 percent as per lance hornby 
But Sheldon Keefe said in the interview that it's been a lingering issue that's been bothering him for a long time. So the only type okay. of speculation I've seen out there, which I kind of agree on, was early in the season when the Leafs faced Dallas and Jamie fucking Ben decided to graze Matthews right above the pants in that really sensitive spot, but really quickly with the edge of his stick, like a cross check. And that was painful. Like it didn't look like anything, but you could tell that stung mm-hmm. him about that. and that's the only thing i can even think of because even though matthews has been you know more physical this this regular season i don't know nothing really sticks out to me how about you what are you what are you thinking about this the only thing that came to mind like first i was like oh is this uh covid you know mm. that's that's like my always my conspiracy thing because like line a is the first player that we've heard testing positive for COVID. And I think that's uh, capital B, capital S. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've just been good at at burying them. Like, come on, it's it's there's been spikes and we haven't heard of positive cases in the league in a long time. And they've been, you know, not locked down to their hotel rooms like they were. So, I, yeah, I don't know. That's always something that's in the back of my mind. P- probably more realistically, it's. Look, Nashville's a hard-hitting team. If he's got something that kind of hurts, give him this night off of any. If you've got a back-to-back, too, you're going to travel to uh, to Detroit and then play Boston. Like, It's really not worth it to have him play against Nashville if he's going to get smashed by Tanner Janot or somebody. Like, yeah. It's just it's not worth it. I think it was kind of more of a, a rest night than, than anything. Like, I don't think it's that bad yeah Leafs are coming off a lot of hockey four games last week including a back-to-back this week another back-to-back I'm sure he's oh true that's a lot of back-to-back yeah and short amount of time if his dad is on this trip I'm sure Austin's going to be playing the next couple of games um like you said might as well take the night off who cares and it worked out for someone else right Bobby McMahon 26 year old undrafted player finally getting the shot with the big boys after being named AHL player of the week uh three goals three assists and three games played last week so good on him yeah I uh, I didn't know too much about this guy obviously I don't think anyone really did before uh, except for Bean who I'm sure knew everything about him um so <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of articles posted today, like, who yeah. is who is this guy? So that's kind of where I, I got everything from. I was just excited to see him on the third line there. Yeah. Um, and not just kind of buried and give him eight or nine minutes. Like, they're really like, okay, look, if you were AHL star of the week, like, keep the streak going and we'll give you some extra minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially... Uh, 15 points in 17 games this season. I mean, Marley's on a roll, especially with Joseph Wall being 8-0 coming back after injury. 934 so far. But yeah, and I know when I first saw the call up, I was kind of like, what the hell? Like, I don't know. Why not give Simmer a, a try? And then I totally forgot that he played on Sunday. I missed that game and I'm like, damn, Simmons did play. I, my bad guys. Like, I'm thinking about the other guys who are still in gray practice jerseys, just waiting, waiting, waiting. But I was impressed tonight. Like, being on that third line, getting more minutes, and he did his job. I thought he drove the net, he was physical. Um, what more can you ask from him? Uh, no points on the night, no shots, but honestly, he, he made a presence to me anyway. Yeah, he had a couple, um, I, I don't even want to say like passes or plays, but just 
I guess plays. There were some times when the other guys on his line, who was at Camp and um, was Engvall later on because Kerfoot got yep. his spot, um, where they were making some some plays between them in front of the net, and and McCann just played decoy in front and just allowed them to have some open ice. And I think he he knew what his role was, and he was kind of not trying to overdo it because he is st- stepping up into a huge game here. But uh, no, I think he did he did pretty well. And just looking at his time on ice, they gave him eleven minutes. Uh, versus, I mean, Dryden Hunt six and a half, and Aston Reese five and a half. So yeah, he uh, he at least got a decent look tonight. Yeah, in the first period, he had a shot going wide. I I recall him trying to dump it in, getting the cycle going. Um, you know, there was a perfect opportunity where Camp kind of gave him a quick pass, but if he would have had his ice on this or his stick on the ice, he would have intercepted oh, that yeah. pass. But just a rookie mistake. Honestly, the game is obviously a lot quicker in the NHL and something that will come with time if he gets the chance. But but yeah, who knows? He could be another diamond in the rough. You know, a 26-year-old kind of like Michael Bunting who um, yeah. entered the league as a way overager in a sense and look at him now. But I don't know. I'm I'm not I have no complaints. Um you might as well, especially if you're looking for a spark and Austin Matthews not playing tonight. You need a spark anywhere, right? Yeah. And uh so we'll just go through the lineup real quick because Giordano or sorry, uh Brody was also out. Yeah. So Giordano kind of stepped into that spot on the second line. So we had Yarncroke and Marner with Tavares in the center. I liked this line. They were good. Yarncroke, I was happy to see him on the first line because I picked him up earlier today. As soon as Matthews went down, that was the the pickup <laughs> I made because I'm like, hmm, Yarncroke's probably going to get some sort of promotion here. Yep, triple position. And I called that one right. Yeah. Yeah, tri- for center left and right. Like, you got to grab him when you can. Uh, also, second line, Nylander with Engvall for two periods at least and Bunting. This line was not great until Engvall was pulled off there for Kerfoot then they at least got some stuff going in the third but uh Willie taking center position for the first time since god knows when and rocking a nice 17 percent on the faceoff dot I mean look he doesn't play center but why why was Kerfoot not the center on this line why was it not Kerfoot with Nylander and Bunting on the wings I do not get this move yeah, or even put, you know, near the end of the game, Tavares, Willie, and Marner. Like, especially when you're looking to tie it up and minutes are dwindling down before we had that power play opportunity. But, you know, I I had high hopes for Ingval, especially. <laughs> Given this opportunity, well, <laughs> Speedy, we've seen that third line magic with Camp and Kerfoot. You might as well get him a couple passes fed by Marner and see if he can eat that, right? But... I want to get to Engvall in a second, but like, but with Matthews out, realistically, your second center isn't Nylander. Like we've tried it a couple times and now this, this should be the last time they try it. Then it's like, okay, bro, you're not a center. Like stick to the wing, be good at what you do. He's been great this year. He was great tonight. I just don't think he was a great center tonight. Like defensively, there was that goal that happened tonight from, uh, from Forsberg. Yes, Riley and Hall were a little asleep on it, but it was Willie's guy that got away from him. Yeah. And that's something that like, he's not used to playing the defensive side of being a center and having to like he's been getting better at his two way play, but he's not that minded in it yet. So I don't understand why 
just for the sake of he has the experience, they wouldn't put Kerfoot there. And the fact that they've put him on the third line was, I don't know, like Engvall hasn't been playing well enough to warrant being on the second line. I just, I didn't understand the second line at all. That's, that was my, my gripe with the lineup tonight. I think you nailed it on the head just saying that, you know, Willie got exposed tonight defensively and he was hoping coming into tonight's game, you know, more puck touches being center. You have more control of the of the play and you're supposed to be right up in there. But Willie's more used to getting that pass for the one timer or, you know, stringing the puck, uh, driving up the side, uh, going up the rink. But I was hoping for that tonight as well, because you're right, this year he's been awesome. The, the puck has been glued to his stick, so I was hoping for some sneaky little dangles through the D or something, but I think the pressure was too much. Like the, the um, sorry, the Predators in general, they did a great job shutting down the Leafs, and it was too much for yeah. Nylander to handle, unfortunately. Well, and it's a big difference coming down the the boards against one defenseman versus coming through the middle and going, oh shit, both of them are looking at me. I have to pick which one looks more out of position right now and go that side. Yeah, or all like, three. That's decision. Yeah, exactly. That's decision making that he doesn't have to do most nights. So it's, I don't know. I feel like just for the sake of, of the experience again, like Kerfoot should have been there. Keith moved them up in the third period, switched them up for Engvall. Um, Holmberg, Hunt, Nast, and Reese were good though, and they have been the last few nights. Like, if this is what the fourth line's gonna be, I like it. I mean, it, like, Holmberg brings an element of a bit of danger. Like, you think he could score. Hunt will just demolish someone every game. Like, it, <laughs> at least one hit, you're like, oh shit, there's Dryden Hunt. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, uh, Aston Reese is, I don't know, he, he hasn't sold me yet. Yeah, but I honestly, for the limited time they get on ice, I do think they make an impact. And, um, you know, even last game and Czar collecting the loose change and scoring a goal for, for Toronto and being in those those specific positions when the time is right. Um, I think tonight Nashville was just a little too much for them, hence why they didn't get too many shifts out there. And especially when it's a one, one game after two periods and you're like, Oh fuck, Oh fuck. Like, are we going to, you know, end this the wrong way or go to overtime and be super fucking sad if it ends the wrong way. Oh (laughs) no. I really didn't want this one to go to extra. Me either. um, on to defense, we're just going to do this in a different structure because, you know, this is how it's going. Um, Riley and Hall first line, then Geo Timmons and Sandine Lilligren. So Sandine and Lily have been good apart from the odd turnover. Lily had a rough one tonight. Um, yeah, they're otherwise they've been good. Um, you know, they, they've communicated well, no one to pinch up and who was it? Lilligren who had that chance, um, where he pinched in and and was like right in front of Saros there and almost scored, wasn't it? Yeah, tonight? yeah. And in the first period, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Sandine right in front, pinching down the wall to Lily going towards the net. I thought that was yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that what you're talking about? Yeah, that that's spinning the, pass. That's, yeah, so that's what I was thinking of. So both of them coming in there. Oh my <clears> god, <throat> that was. Whew. I was like, damn, guys, <laughs> no forwards to be found, but you have both defenders right up there pinching and then Lily driving the net. And wow, I know I missed last game, but I just got to put it out there since we're on defenders. Way to get the big shot, get through Lily. Oh, my God. I was so happy to see him score. Like, 
Oh, that shorthanded one too. Uh. Yeah, I um, I, I kind of fell asleep in the third period. I it was five two. I fell asleep and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> my bad. Yeah, I know we didn't do an episode last game. I know it was the second half of a back to back, but damn, we missed a lot. Like. Um, Czar collecting the loose change. Sim- Timmins scoring his first goal. Lily Slapper from no, the point. Yeah. JT scoring. Matthew's 20th of the season. Um, Marner, this nice feed to Yarn Croak. Oh my God. It was such a sexy pass. But, anyways, I know we're on this game. Was that the sixth one? Because I missed <clears throat> I missed the last goal of that game. So, um, I think the last one was Matthew's, actually. Yarn Croak was Matthews, the first yes, one. Yes, it was Matthew's. But um, yeah, no, I definitely fell asleep as well. I was tired as hell. Had a crazy, crazy weekend. Sorry, folks. Uh, yeah. Oops. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing here. So Timmins, we touched on. Giordano had a game-saving slide tonight in the absence of TJ Brody. Uh, there was the two-on-one. It was coming down the other way. And uh, Gio, just with the slide, breaks it up. It's intercepting the pass there. Oh, my God. That was, I thought the game was over there, honestly. Oh my God. Damn. In the third period as well, 1 1 tied. Need a rider just coming down. And Gio's like, nah, son. Like, I didn't even know who came out because he came out so quickly blocking the shot. I thought it was like a video game and the defender was going to explode into little pixelated pieces. <laughs> Yeah, until he got up, I had no idea who that was. Yeah, oh my god. Uh, But good on Geo, man. Like, every time there's Norris conversations, I'm just so happy we have Mark Girodano on our team. And, like, how valuable is this guy? Oh, sorry, I'm ranting about him Honestly, and to have him with... (laughs) To have him with Timmins has been really great, too, because, I mean, Timmins is just exploding with uh, the amount of points he's gotten in, what, 12 or 13 games now. And uh, it's nice that he's able to actually play as a two-way defender and and take those offensive chances because he's got Giordano behind him, right? And I think sticking Gio with Hall didn't give... Like, Hall's not that kind of defender. Like, he's a little more of a stay-at-home defender who's, like, he'll he'll take some shots, but Timmins, I think, has been more of a... uh, an offensive presence. So I think it's nice to pair him with Gio there. Yeah. Um, so the, nice. The, yeah. Um, the one that doesn't work too well though, mm. unless you want to, you want to add to that. <laughs> I'm just looking at the list of defenders and going through these pairs and you're right. Like it's nice to have someone who's confident to take the shot. Like Timmins has yeah. that confidence. Riley on the other hand, <laughs> Oh my god, he drives me fucking insane. I'm sorry. But... Yeah. Riley and Hall were not good. So, I mean, they took the minus tonight. I mentioned they weren't even... Like, you can watch the replay of the goal. You can only see Willie there. Like, they weren't even close. Yeah. So, there was the one-timer that he didn't take to Riley. I mean, I, I'm trying not to hate on him, but his, it's taken more than a few games, and he's not really finding his rhythm again um he still hasn't scored since last season and i mean if if his whole thing is he's not gonna play defense really and not be defensive minded and be an offensive defenseman like he's gotta find that again because really like the secondary assists are not what he's making the money for 
if he's going to be a minus on the night. Yeah, exactly. And it's noticeable. And this is a highly trusted guy. I mean, it's not the end of the world. But when you know you're facing a team where you must fool the goaltender, like the two goals the Leafs scored tonight on Soros were both kind of like empty netters. The JT goal was a backhand. Soros had no chance into almost an empty cage. And then the second one, Mitch Marner had a wide open net. So on this power play opportunity, when Riley was fed in the high slot, oh my God, boy, you have to take the fucking shot. Like you, there's no time. Like you're guaranteed asking Soros to play catch at that point if you don't take the shot. I know he gave him so much time to reset there. And I'm just looking at his numbers. I mean, he's played, he's only gotten into 26 of uh, what, 41 games this year, but uh, no goals, 19 assists. He was still pretty high up in the, in the stats for assists as far as the team went. But this is the first, he's a minus one right now. He has not finished a season negative since 17, 18 when the Leafs were like, not good. Mm -hmm. So, um, and even then he had 52 points. So it's just, it's not like him, I mean, to be this bad defensively. Like, I know he's not somebody who's, like I said, he's not a defensive-minded guy. But, like, this has just been a little rough. And I, I don't think pairing him with Justin Hall is doing him any favors either. Like, this is, he needs TJ Brody there. Yeah, and if you're going <laughs> to... It's the same effect. It's the same effect, sorry, last thing, that I explained with Timmons and Gio. Like, he needs somebody that he can trust behind him to have the confidence to go up. And I, as long as he's with Hall, he's not going to feel confident to go up and take those chances. Yeah, and Riley's the trusted guy who's expected to be the offensive defender on this team, like the quarterback, yeah. or like PP1 guy. So if he's not going to take the shot either, it's just going to make people mad. And I got to give it to him. He did take a clopper tonight. That was 88 miles per hour. I was so shocked. I had to write him. it down and... Like I do, like I notice these things as well. But when the game's on the line and it's tied and these critical, critical moments, it just yeah, like <laughs> you, you hope that they do like unleash some sort of beast. Like I was hoping for Engvall in that third period after the penalty. <laughs> Here's an interesting stat: you can check the splits on uh, NHL's NHL.com stats. Um, so in wins this year. 14, uh, 14 games that he's played in that they've won. Uh, he's a plus nine. Okay. Okay. In in seven losses, he's a minus nine. Yeah, Riley's. So that's the thing. It's like he had some really rough nights, man. It's it's not been a good year for him so far. I mean, like I said, nineteen assists is not bad at all, considering you know there's not that. I don't think anybody in defense is close to that many points yet. So. Yeah, something. Um, I know it, and Riley benefits off obviously always playing with the top six guys, but you want him to show for it as well. And we might as well go to a question since we're talking about Riley. Uh, Tyler Everett uh, at Tyler Victo on Twitter says, "Why does Toronto's team defense look significantly worse now that Riley has returned?" because without him they don't really have somebody that's taking a fully offensive game like you know just trying to do that like in his absence you had a bunch of guys that were like oh shit we have to protect the net because we're down you know so many guys 
So I think it was just a, a collective defensive effort, also from the forwards. Yeah. Everybody was trying to play better defense because of how many guys they were short. And now I think everyone's gotten a little relaxed, like, oh, we've got everybody back. And it's not working out that way. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but some guys play like they know the importance of staying up in the lineup, like Connor Timmons uh, still understanding the mm-hmm. importance of, you know, I don't have a guaranteed spot every single night and I have to show that. But I have to commend, you know, Timmy. Oh, my God. J- <laughs> Lily. Oh, He's been so good recently. I mean, this year alone. Oh, yeah. Um, this guy is not afraid to shoot, use his body, defend. At one point, he was in the net because Matt Murray was way out, like almost saving a goal. Uh, three shots, four hits, three blocks. Like, I think the Buds should be modeling their game after Lilligren most nights because he's been maybe number two, sec- second solid behind uh, Geo. Yeah, and honestly, just to to close out the Riley thing, I think the answer there is just to find him a partner. And I mean, usually that's TJ Brody, but it's not going to be until uh, what's he signed until 2030. So um, I think the off season and like kind of long term goal here is sometime by like, you know, 2024. Mm. Let's find him a partner like. 2025 maybe let's let's find him like a long-term one-two partner so that you know he can be comfortable and play the game that he's good at because he's capable of it like look the guys the guys stats speak for themselves right like there's a reason he got the money oh, yeah. so I, and it's <laughs> got the money it's only seven and a half million until 2030 like really it's a steal as far as like in you know darnell nurse and zach Wierenski's contracts go but like Seth jones Seth Jones, uh, but at right now, 9.1% of the cap, the way he's been playing, it's a little tough, but he's going to find it. They just, I think they got to help him out and, and get him somebody that he can play with. Um, Cause even with Brody down, it's, it can't go straight to hall. They've got to find someone else there. And I think as Sandine and Lilligren develop, one of them will take that spot, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if that's the answer. <laughs> we'll see. Right. But yeah. Uh, tonight yeah oh power play just absolutely brutal except when it when it matters the most and i'm so 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 glad this game did not go to overtime because one little (laughs) anything right one little thing out of position matt murray weak uh through the legs it could be anything the game is over and no matthews in the ot but yeah um what about uh we should touch on the camp thing oh yes real quick um so camp takes a uh skating backwards and was it nita rider yes got him yeah nino nita rider comes uh through full speed and elbow to the upper shoulder to head area high enough that camp went into concussion protocol you can call it a headshot. You can call it a high hit. Regardless, it's dangerous. And what the league has said they are trying to take out of the game. And their answer to that was to call nothing. But I guess all four people missed it. I don't know how. <laughs> what the point of having four people on the ice is if they're all looking at the same thing. Like, I don't install four security cameras on my front porch to all look at the front door. 
Like literally, if you did not have technology on the ice, good thing the refs were all looking the correct way. Thank you, Chris Hurley. I saw your little drawing on Twitter. The refs are in all four locations, the corners of the ice, directly looking at the hit. <laughs> you're like, guys, like Nashville's already on the power play. Ingvall's mad in the box, so I'm hoping he's activating beast mode because he's like, hur, hur. I'm like, oh my god, yes, <clears throat> let it out, <clears throat> let it out. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me! What? He's here. I'd play it. I'd play his intro, but my soundboard's been wiped. <laughs> Darty Broder is back in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Where have you been, bro? It's been so long. How you been, Daddy O? Hey, folks, Daddy O. What's up, Daddy O? Yeah, it has been a long, arduous, incredible journey. All right, and. Honestly, what's been holding me back the most, though, is I'm embarrassed to come on here because I have not been paying nearly as much attention to these Leafs because they haven't given me a reason to shit on them, all right? (laughs) Even when the pundits out there have been saying that the roof's falling off after, you know, a couple crappy goals or shitty games or, you know, whatever. This is, I don't know about what you guys just said. Maybe I'm coming here to shout out. This is everything we should expect and should deserve from the Leafs right now. Like they are really, they really pulled up, pulled up their uh, you know bootstraps, uh, so to speak. And uh, I feel like perspective-wise, like where we were when we started this podcast at the beginning of the season versus everything that I've had to re-listen to and, and uh, rewatch, <laughs> we are doing really fucking great. Call me crazy, but I think that like this is this is the best possible position we can be in. Uh, having two goalies with above a 9.15 save percentage, yeah, it's a pretty good pres- uh, position to be in considering last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Matt Murray's done, right? I'm pretty sure I heard that like at least several times like the past two weeks. <laughs> 9.70 tonight for Matt Murray. So whew, what a good game for him. Uh, definitely bounce back after uh, the last couple of games. I mean, there was a big win last game, but again, Seattle letting in five goals and then St. Louis six goals. Uh, Arizona six goals so yeah great to see it yeah they've got uh, two of the top 15 goalies in the league right now with Murray sitting at number 14 uh, at a 916 and Samsonov at a 916 so I think and has it not been that way for months not updated yet they've been top five in goals against average and the Leafs as a whole um, in the league, I think our second overall for goals against average. Yeah, Samsonov is third, third only behind Allmark and Gustafsson. Allmark has a 187. That's just nuts. <laughs> like, ungodly. Yeah. Uh, where's Murray? Linus. 14th. Damn. So, yeah, I'm going to lean us. Did you watch the game, Darty? I was listening. I was listening to the game. I got my Sirius XM on. Uh, <laughs> Darty uh, has been doing a lot of. Uh, shady deals on facebook marketplace and uh, kijiji so i do spend a lot of my time uh because i'm i'm in between in moving and i guess generational changes now that i have a a son (laughs) (laughs) so i got to get rid of a lot of my crap and vice versa and so you know there's there's found money in my house so um and i got to use it to buy more leafs memorabilia right like somebody on twitter was posting about half price uh um 
not the winter classic. What the hell is it called? The reverse retro jerseys. And I was like, man, I need to get a hold of a freaking reverse retro jersey. So, you know, money is coming in and money's coming out. Darty's got to sell, you know, out with the old in with the new, right? So, like, you know, I couldn't sit home and watch the game. I had to sell some car parts, but uh, <laughs> it was a pretty great game to watch. And of course, like, like just listening, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of action going on, but, um, Johnny was showed me the um, the starting lineup, and I immediately said, "Like this is going to be fun." Like I actually, I'm actually pretty encouraged by seeing this because Bob was it Bobby McMahon or whatever is a fucking beauty, <laughs> and uh, Bobby sounds like a NASCAR got, driver, Bobby McMahon. And you got my second favorite cat, Callie, uh, Callie Yarn Croak, Callie, Callie Very Big Croak, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was I said like that was just like it's a cool kind of. Let's see what these guys can do, especially without Matthews. Like, this is the first time I feel like in Leafs, Leafs Nation history where we really felt comfortable just saying, you know what, Maddie, just sit, just chill, you know, take a night off. <laughs> Did you hear the camp hit center ice uh, from Joe Bowen? Because that's what I we were t- just getting into. I missed that. Let, you got to tell me about that. Okay, so we can start this back. Just because we just started on it, it's all, it's all good. It's a neater. <laughs> so, uh, Leafs turn it over in the offensive zone. Camp is skating backwards across the center line. He's looking forwards. And Niederreiter, who's coming across the ice, who sees Camp and therefore has the responsibility to avoid hitting him, just elbow up and takes Camp out. Probably high shoulder, maybe head. It was head. Unclear how <laughs> it was head. It was head. So... <laughs> Um, he goes down, he goes into concussion protocol, and there is no call after a group discussion amongst the two linesmen and two refs. So, how? Was any of them Wes McCauley? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope, not tonight. Yep, the refs you suck chance started, and I don't know, the... There's an exception. They can review uh, hits like this if it's to the head. So I'm surprised because Sarawa from Australia actually told us in one of our group chats that the exact same play happened in the Oilers game and it was an immediate interference interference call. So, Well, if it happens to the Leafs, then it's okay, right? Yeah. Let, it, let it slide. <laughs> Here, if I'll the president does it, then it's not illegal. No, not at all. Um, I think I have. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Here, Darty, if you can, if you can see this, is this gonna play again? Yeah, here. Kadoosh. <laughs> like, so he's skating backwards and boom. boom. Oh, geez, really got no his... call. <laughs> not our camp he got his block knocked off maybe he thought maybe the ref thought it was a neater meyer and he's like oh no no that only happens with scott stevens okay it couldn't <laughs> be it's not possible yeah get your <sighs> head out of your ass well that's so stupid they're just looking it's like obvious head hunting and it's yeah it's one of these things that it's it's you really unfortunately it's one of those things that like you know, send it straight to management, Gary, right? We're going to be right at Gary's desk saying, what the heck is this even? All right. Because it doesn't make sense how we're in 2022 and this bogus call is still being made. Mm-hmm. You know, like even, even, even when it's too close to call, I think you still need to err on the side of the victim, right? Because there's no way you can say that that's um, like, 
I feel like some hockey, like especially especially old head hockey players, they or, or hockey um, fans, they want to think, oh, you don't want you know Cristiano Ronaldo or you know the Italian soccer team out there just playing like, oh no, I got hit. <laughs> but in those situ in the, in those situations, like you, it's, it's it's how the hell do you fake that, right? So like you you have to you really have to err on the side of look, that guy's a freaking victim right now. We got We got to cut this out, right? I get it. It's a clean hockey hit. But at the same time, too, like those are the kind of hits that also lead to violence on the ice that you also don't want to see, right? Unfortunately, it's the Leafs, and I don't know, but I feel like you know there probably wasn't too much violence. I'm assuming afterwards, but say in like a playoff series or I don't know, like a couple weeks before the playoffs, I could see a big scrum happening after a hit like that that it would get pretty ugly. On well, and that's team. a that's a good point because I mean you look back at the game last year against Winnipeg where you know something doesn't get called and then someone takes matters into their own hands and things escalate and get worse and not that Nashville's really like they're a physical team but they're not a, known to be a dirty team like I would say you know some others are um I won't name names Tampa <laughs> and Winnipeg but um they're they're at least just a heavy hitting team so I'd say in a different circumstance this could have got out of hand but you know, everyone played disciplined and just let the fans chant it and, you know, let the coach and captains yell at the refs and just, you know, try to chill. Keep and no playing. Because honestly, no, but honestly, every time there was, there were a couple missed calls tonight mm-hmm. and every time the Leafs turned it into an offensive scoring chance. Mm-hmm. So they at least didn't sit around and, and complain about not getting a call. They, they kept going. So there was a few even missed icings. I was like, what the hell are they not calling tonight? Yeah, and I don't know for some reason tonight the what it took was to draw blood because even when Morgan Riley got high sticked in the face, apparently nobody saw it until he started yelling and blood started pouring out of his face. So that's when the refs had a powwow and decided to give out the four minute power play to the Leafs. And I'm like, damn guys, what does it take? And I feel like I say that a lot on this podcast, unfortunately. Yep, uh, I can't believe the four of them had to meet to decide whether they were going to call this or not. Like it's just they weren't watching, they weren't watching what they were supposed to watch. Like you, all four of you can't be staring at the puck. Like that's not what your job is. Yeah, actually, you know, I actually want to break up a big point about this. Is um, that kind of play that I know we're going back? I'm tailing back to to David Camp, but that kind of play is something that. Uh, I said we're talking about is really close to call, but as well, like, you know, you're looking at a huge injury on the ice, right? Well, what just happened recently in the sports world? Well, we literally had a football player die on the fucking field, all right? After after a big hit. And it wasn't a legal hit. He didn't die. He didn't die. He was just released from hospital, right? Like, that's the thing. It wasn't even a legal hit. It was a legal hit. And they just watched him die until they were, oh, shit, this guy, this man is dead. And we need to revive him. Say, say, God forbid, after getting his block knocked off, you know, we got to have to revive, like physically revive David Camp or even Morgan Riley. He's bleeding out. He's leaking. Right. Like, I'm not trying to you know soften up hockey, but I think that there needs to be a hell of a lot more um, accountability from the refs and the linesmen on situations like that. As I said, like, of course, we don't want, you know, we don't want faking. We don't want Cristiano Ronaldo out there. But in a situation like that, where it's definitely too close to call and there's obvious injury, it is very insulting to not fucking do something about it, especially not even offer like there was no you said there was no penalty or anything on that, right? Nothing. That's yeah. that's bogus. Well, that's absolute and, fucking garbage. And yeah, we don't want Cristiano Ronaldo's 
uh, just uh, I'm saying that as a blanket term for we don't want diving soccer players, but um, that's just, just you cut that in my head. It's because he's um, so handsome, all right. I don't even know if he actually dives a lot. I'm just assuming. <laughs> Do you hear his overall in FIFA is the lowest it's ever been this year at 88? Anyway, um, <laughs> I I know that we don't want diving soccer players, but hockey is a lot faster and closer together than soccer is. Like, when someone dives in soccer, there's nobody else around them for, like, half a, a, a hockey rink length. <laughs> and you can see where their legs are. In hockey, there's a bunch of things going on. There's sticks involved. It's faster. There's blades on their feet. There's a bunch of guys slamming into each other. It's It's dangerous. It's more dangerous. You have to at least try to eliminate some element of danger there by taking away headshots and this was a clean opportunity to make an example of hey be better about your awareness like you you have to move out of the way you can't just well he was there like you have to make an effort to not hit people in the head like this and they just completely blew it this was a good opportunity to implement the new role of being able to stop and review the play when it comes to a headshot uh, type scenario. So they should have made this an example and being like, hey guys, this is when we can do that. And this is a great lesson. And yeah, Camp did get hit in the head and the concussion protocol is backing that shit up. So here we are I guarantee these guys didn't even know that they could do that on a headshot this year. (laughs) Um, Boom. And they're the the refs. That's the problem. So... Um, let's go on to questions because we're pushing 50 minutes here. We got to, uh, couple get to get to a few things before we sign off. Okay. David Elliott at super David one, three, six on Twitter asks, Hey, do, do I make a couple cents every time you use my draft quote, seeing as you keep on using it, LOL. I know I added this in there just because what I've never heard of someone claim the giraffe quote or saying that, I don't know. They said uh, Ingval was off first. I even checked their tweets. That's like I'm claiming like, didn't, to invent the power kill. Right? Didn't the Leafs? Didn't the Leafs call him the giraffe? They call like, him wasn't like it their nickname? They call him like Sea Biscuit. But everyone on hockey Twitter knows that Pierre Ingval is the giraffe, and we do a giraffe impression on our show. And like all, like man. Do you even listen to the show? I bet you're never even going to hear this. But if you are, know that we've been saying this all along. Who, who's, anyway. who's the giraffe from, what is it, uh, from Madagascar? Is this like Melman or something? I was going to start calling Melman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was I'm just up. looking. There's like 20. Are you filtering? Yeah, people like, we, I mean, it's been like, like all the way back to 2020 people were calling him a giraffe it's been since birth okay like pierre ingval is the league giraffe the team giraffe and it's just a thing and we've even made memes about it guys so back off but it- no 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 it was a team thing so i found someone's tweet from back in 2020 um and it they're commenting on this is uh, at kelsey rebecca from way back may of 2020 shout out to kelsey um Ralph taking over Tyson's leaf to leaf. So it's one of those leaf to leaf things they used to do where like they would interview each other. Okay. And they apparently revealed in that, that they all call Pierre Engvall the giraffe. Oh. So that's where it, I, that's what I thought. Like it came from the team. It's not something that like Twitter came up with. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Joey, Jojo, Jr. Shabado asks, 
what was the final tally of times Murray knocked off the net? And has the situation been update? The situation room been updated? <laughs> I think I counted one tonight. Uh, one loosened so net. You, you know what? This is a reference to eh? the in the situation room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. If anyone missed it, yeah, yeah you can find it. I thought it was. I thought it was um, Mike Sorrentino. The situation. That's. I was confused there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Unfortunately, we weren't in the situation room, so we don't know what's going on like he does. But um, I don't know. I I didn't see him really do it tonight, but it's one of those things he does it when, it, like they said, the plays at the other end. And they were mentioning it on the broadcast, like how because Soros is small, like he's kind of got to dive back and forth. But Murray's bigger, so he just kind of pushes off the post. And like, you're allowed to do that and you're allowed to check if it's going to fall off if I press on it. Like. If his whole game revolves around pushing back and forth off the posts, yeah, when there's no one around, like, hey, if I do that tonight, am I going to kick this off and am I going to get called for it? Because I've been talked to a hundred times in the last week and I'm fucking tired of it. <laughs> That's probably what's going on with him right now. Yeah, and I counted many buds inside the net tonight, so it it could be other factors, you know? It's not just Murray leaning on the net. Like, how many times do players come crashing into our relief goalies? <laughs> it's it's bizarre how many times uh, tonight, not once, I'm shocked, but there's usually a time. Uh, no, at the end. Was it? At the end. right? Yeah, right at the end um, when play stopped. Uh, um, there, was, there was a whistle where there was, like, two people in front of Murray, and I cannot remember what it was that happened. But yeah, two of them just landed right in front of him. And I'm like, why are there always two, at least two leaps in front of the fucking goalie? Anyway. Last question. Fun guy at Southpaw underscore Cal. Because we had a big discussion on Discord about it, I have to ask you guys. Uh, he he says, Donaire or Shwarma? Um, I mean, I'm from Ottawa, so I'll say Shwarma because I'm in the Shwarma capital of like outside of Lebanon. So, <laughs> How about you, Darty? This is like a very heated debate because it's <laughs> it's almost like the same argument as saying so. Say if like a, a person from China comes to Canada and has Chinese food, they're going to say, "What the hell is this crap?" Right? Yeah. Well, Don yep. Air is like the, the, the equivalent, <laughs> right? Like if you go, it's it's like if, oh, if, yeah. if a if a Turkish guy or a Lebanese guy just you know. Fresh off the boat, come to Canada and have a Don Air. They're going to be like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this shit?" But if you understand the origin and the history of like the reason why this food was invented, and the fact that it is a wonderful, wonderful achievement in late night, um, early morning after club food, <laughs> you'll actually appreciate it a little bit more, right? So as a Don Air, definitely not. If you're a connoisseur of yummy, delicious, you know, shawarma or uh, falafel then you're going to find yourself you know pretty fucking sad but if you are several wobbly pops deep after a night at the Brunswick house <laughs> i'm just trying to think of a place that it's not even open i don't even think anymore it's been closed for years but if you are and you happen to find a don air place the dirty dancer there hasn't been by the way has, i don't think there was a don air place open anywhere near the Brunswick house but <laughs> whiskey but, a go goes whiskey a go is there a don air near whiskey a go goes i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it would i would i've i've never been to that strip club but if i have mm. that would be the reason why 
But yeah, it's just it's 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 a wonderfully the thing is is because the sauce they put on a Don Air, it, the, the traditional way they do it is like a sweet sauce, right? Which is completely yeah. unexpected. I said a traditional shawarma is supposed to be very savory and very, you know, maybe um, a little bit salty, a little bit um, tangy if they put the right like pickled, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, put, like, pick, pickles or um, or the. Uh, if oh, by the way, if you're getting shawarma and you don't get the um, what the hell is it called? The, the pickled, pickled radishes. Turnip. The pickled radishes. The turnip. The pickled turnip. There you go. They don't put the pickled turnips on. That is a cheap place. Never go back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you right now that that is the key to any good shawarma. If you don't have the pickled turnips, tell them bye bye, bye bye. <laughs> You're wasting your money. See, the the kings of shawarma here. Oh man, there's so many in Ottawa. Like shawarma palace is great. Three brothers is great. King shawarma is great. Like there's um. Oh, what's the um, Prince Gourmet? Oh, there's so many of them here. But um, Three Brothers started, I think. I don't want to miss history them, but two brothers. Um, <laughs> two <laughs> brothers. Uh, three brothers. They've got a couple locations around Ottawa, and they started the uh, the shawarma poutine, where they do like the garlic potatoes, and then they throw the shawarma. Uh, chicken on and then just like cheese curds and gravy nice. and it is so good and then you get spicy garlic sauce on top mm. of that oh nice it is ottawa in a tinfoil dish nice and it's fantastic at three o'clock in the morning i'm definitely team shawarma um i think i've had a donair twice in my life and i was very disappointed every single time um i'm not a fan maybe it's just a the way they do it in Canada, the toughness of the meat. It's only here. Yeah. Donair is like a, a Nova Scotia invention. East Coast thing. Yeah. And I know we were yeah. talking on our Discord. You guys were saying like how Darty's explaining it, a Turkish thing or, you know, some sort of Middle Eastern dish. But in Canada, totally different, kind of gross. I'm team shawarma all the way. I hate that tough meat. Um, but yeah, beef. I load that shit up. I love all toppings. And yeah, now I want shawarma because my favorite place closed down i haven't found a good place in so long (laughs) you can't go to paramount or somewhere shitty like a chain you got to go to an authentic like family-owned restaurant and get the best best shawarmas but yeah i'm just gonna say living here in ottawa where there's like really good shawarma everywhere osmos is not good no osmos sucks no, I don't like same it. Same with Paramount. Like that's shit on a stick. Like, I've sorry guys. Never heard of Paramount. It must be a GTA <laughs> one. But so I just yeah. want I just want to um, preface this all by saying, but a lot of these places are all based off of regional variations too. Like the yeah. Don Air was specifically made by a Greek immigrant who tried to re- replicate the Don Air kebab, which is actually originally from Turkey. Like that variation of it. So Don Air kebab and shawarma are very similar, but they're not the same. They're almost like congruent, you know, ideas. So there's so many different yeah, types you. of shawarma because, like, you know, there's probably Lebanese style. Like, actually, if you go to Lebanon, they literally put fucking French fries in it. They put French fries mm. in everything, but some places same will at not Paramount. Do that here. <laughs> so at yeah, Paramount, even, like, they do Paramount. Shit. Yeah, Paramount's like a big, a big. Ch- that's the thing. All these chain restaurants, of course, they have to cater to, you know. Um, I've never like heard of Canadian Paramount. tastes, so that's why like you'll see more like stuff that's not nearly as like you know tasteful. No offense, guys. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, true. <laughs> but the, I also I, like uh, a place that offers good like the garlic sauce, like the tomb, like oh. that stuff. Mm. Like if, if it has the good fresh garlic, like mayonnaise, gritty whip oh, whip on it, best. it is amazing. Some places don't have it or they don't offer it. It's like how can you have a shawarma without the tomb? 
Oh. You know but what? Also you can get it at Farm Boy like, now. No offense, but it does reap. It just goes seeps right through your core. <laughs> like garlic. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, I feel like oh. Wario. <laughs> Guys, I... You can get to them at Farm Boy now in like a like a hummus-sized container. It is so good. We were making just like shawarma bowls and stuff at home. Uh, last thing, though, I was doing... Um, I just got NHL 23, and I made a Halifax team, and I made their... Um, their stadium, the King of Donair Arena. <laughs> nice. Uh, more garlic, the better. I confit garlic every week and make my own garlic God oil and stuff. So, Ooh, mm-hmm. look at you. But guys... I always go for the spicy garlic sauce. We've spent a lot of time talking about food. Back though. to the Leafs. One point I want to make for tonight, guys. There's more questions. And that was all for questions. Thank you, guys. No, I have Oh, more. you have... Oh, sorry. For me. <laughs> Should Pierre Engvall eat more garlic? Um, so for me, I got uh, Hurley Sports. Geo is Chris Hurley. Thanks for hopping on our last episode there. And thank you, Luke, man. If you haven't heard that last episode, go and check it out. It was super fun having Luke, man, from across the world. And uh, and Chris, from really close to my hometown. We're like almost neighbors. Uh, so Chris says, Leafs are 31, 15, and 2 without Matthews in the lineup. Should they trade him? This is a joke. <laughs> And I said, yeah, for Richie and Brandon Montour and a first. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but no, it is. It's one of those things. Every time a star is out of any lineup, the rest of the team has to, they wake up to like, oh, shit, we can't depend on our yeah. Jordan tonight. So we got, all got to step it up. So I don't know. I think it's just something that happens with any team in any sport when the star is down. We're not talking about Jordan yeah. Everlane, right? We're talk- <laughs> no. No, no, no. John Tavares is elite. Um, he was a star tonight, you know, setting up both, like getting the first goal and setting up the second goal. Um, and that's what you needed. Uh, uh, Willie with two assists and Marner with the, the one to finish it off. So I'm glad our big boys stepped up and it was a battle of the goalies, right? So, yeah. Yeah, is he is is he uh, really that small? Like that's the one thing that really they mention it so many times. Like what are they, like who are they talking <laughs> about? Like JCPT <laughs> from the McDonald's commercial, like from twenty years ago. <laughs> He's five ten. Did you know that, Darty? I know Darty is five ten. So now I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> You're I'm eye upset. to eye. <laughs> What's five foot ten in? Meters, one seventy eight point eight. Um, what's that? One point seven. So one point. Um, so that puts him. Well, they have him at one point eight. Oh. He, he's the same height as Jonas Enroth. Oh, um, Jonathan Bernier. I also claim one point eight. So. <laughs> that's about it for like modern day goalies. Oh. <laughs> like, there's I can't find anybody else that's not got like a. An older shot. Yeah, Bernier and, and Roth and Saros and uh, Jamie Noodles McLennan. Nice. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they're all at, at uh, about the same height. Casey DeSmith, too. So, I mean, he's not Thomas Grice, Jimmy Howard. Henrik Lundqvist is only a couple, like a centimeter taller than him. Like, it's not. No. It's, yeah. They just assume a small frame with a shorter stature. And I obviously, he's not hurting in any capacity. So good on him. It's like an inch shorter than Marty Brodeur and Henrik Lundqvist and Jonathan Quick and Simon Varlamov and Braden Holtby and Jimmy Howard. Like, shut up. Doesn't mean anything. 
I feel like I feel like five five ten is yeah. like a black hole in the universe. All right, because I've been five ten my whole life. I always wanted to be six foot four. I'm measuring every single <laughs> day. I still do. I got the the <laughs> longest I ever was was a one seventy nine centimeters. All right, and for some reason, everybody <laughs> I meet. The guy's got a kid and he thinks he's still everybody <laughs> i meet who says they're 510 is shorter than me so there's a lot of fucking liars out there i'm like bro like i've met people who are like oh yeah i'm six feet tall i'm like i have been measuring every day of my entire life do not fucking lie to me <laughs> bro oh, i want to go the other way four so bad i want to i know i want to be six foot four I, I remember buying size 13 shoes on sale just because like yo i'm gonna grow into these I was like 13. That never <laughs> happened, all right? <laughs> no. My, my NBA dreams were dashed. Um, so just to get through these questions, Mike, the fanatic. Hey, Mike. Uh, this Leaf team is different. They're finally adopting that next man up mentality. If the playoffs started tomorrow, who would be your starting goalie and who would be your sixth defenseman? Mitch Marner. I will throw this. To Darty first. Who's your starting goalie if the playoffs start tomorrow? Starting goalie has to be Matt Murray. And you I don't know. I don't know really if I have a reason besides I just I, you know, I this man has won a, St- a Stanley Cup with one of, you know, the arguably one of the greatest teams to play last decade. Um, I think that he has really battled and I was his number one since day one, since finding out, you know, check the tapes. I never once said that, th- that this man is irredeemable. I had him as as my number one. I knew he could fight through it. I know Samsonov's amazing too. There's a, a lot can change, but I really just I I trust Murray. I trust Murdoch. All right, and uh, <laughs> I said Mitch Marner for our, our sixth defenseman, but uh, <laughs> actually that was mm-hmm. a little bit trickier. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this one to the panelists. Uh, she can give a much thorough analysis of that. <laughs> what do you think, Steph? It's it's uh, strange because coming into tonight, they both have the same say percentage, a 916. I know. Um, now Matt Murray has 11 wins and Samsonov has ten, uh, 12. Um, I would, you know, start Murray, but rotate them. Kind of feel it out. Uh, do what they're doing right now. Um, I w- Steph is dodging the question entirely. <sighs> Okay, start Murray one. on night one. one, game one. There you go. Maybe for game two, and then go to Sammy for game yeah. Start Mary kill stuff. <laughs> yep. Gun to the earth. Oh, man. Uh, so I uh, will go to defenseman in a sec. I'm going to say Murray as well, just because he seemed like, I think he seems more confident, just a little bit more. Um, Sammy's a bit back and forth. Um, he's got good games and then he has a couple of rough games where he doesn't find it as well within, like, I mean, he did have that game where he turned it around by overtime and made some huge saves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Murray tonight, right out of the gate where there was that two on, on one and he, uh, just kind of rolled over from his back and, and made that incredible save in the first period. I just, I feel like he's been more confident and like, uh, Darty said, he's got the experience in the playoffs, so. I'm going to go with I Murray think Samsonov, to, to too, is very Shalgren-esque at times. And it's like, you know, there's moments of absolute brilliance. And then you do see that, you, you can see the, um, I, not, I don't want to say like lack of maturity, but they're just an experience, right? But also, too, is that it's it's not a, like, I'm not trying to discredit the work that he puts in or the work that he has put in, but 
like Steph was saying about the tandem, right? Like I trust Matt Murray, but I also trust like more than I've ever trusted anybody that if something silly happens during the playoffs, that Samsonov will be more than capable of pulling off wins for us when we need them. Me too. Oh yeah. And I mean, look, Samsonov's 25. He's going to be fantastic. Whether the Leafs are able to hold on to him or not, which is part of our next question. As far as six defensemen go, Steph, do you want to start it off? Yeah, um, I think you definitely put Brody back in there. Brody Riley. Um, I know it said starting tomorrow, but we'll ignore injuries. Except Muzzin's. Muzzin is probably still injured. Yeah, Brody's expected to be back after sitting out three games. So my six without pairing them, I guess Brody, Sandine, Riley, Lily, Geo. Oh, this is hard. That's five. Oh, so Riley, Geo, Sandine, Lily, Brody, Timmins. I like Timmins. I like, you know, in the playoffs, you have to score goals. And if it's not going to be your top six, who's it going to come from? Your bottom six or your decor? And I think Timmins could be one of those players that could really break the ice in those important uh, moments. Yeah, it honestly, I think for me, they were close to it tonight, and I think I basically said it already. It's Riley Brody, uh, Geo Timmons, and Lilligren Sandine. You can switch those bottom two pairs as the second or third. I don't care. That is, I think, what it's going to look like come playoff time. And then your extras, you've got, like, it's playoff time. So, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass against Tampa. We're going to assume they're playing Tampa. Yeah. Jordy Ben to have him in there. Yep. Um, and if Victor Mete is back, I don't know. Well, but I think to have Jordy Ben in there, with the age and size just to to kind of calm things down and to be mean honestly yeah yeah and you know we're we're not counting hall right now we obviously know hall's going to be in the equation as much as people don't add him i think he's a guaranteed lock but obviously the question was who is our starting yeah yeah not who keeps the realistic answer but yeah okay anyways uh Trade Hall for Timmons. Thank you. Next. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, you're really, for tonight, just flipping Hall out for a, a healthy... Was, was Hall really yeah. that bad tonight? Uh, uh, him and Riley basically, yeah, I mean, he wasn't awful. It wasn't like his worst game of the season. Everything he did was bad. Yeah. But it's, him and Riley are just not a good pair. That's all. It's not even that he's bad. It's just I just don't think he fits with any of the guys on the team, like, as a pair. Like him and Muzzin had a thing for a while. And then once that stopped working, it's like he just hasn't found his home since. So I think Geo is a good pair for him. But I I don't know. Like I said earlier, I just I feel like it's a good shutdown pair, but it doesn't really give you much offensive upside. Whereas I think Timmons gives you a bit of both, Mm -hmm. maybe a a little less defense, but a little more offense. And I I think with Geo, you can afford to make that trade off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, last question here. So this is from Past Life New Life at Past Life New Life. Say the Leafs go on a deep run and maybe even do the thing. How can you possibly sign both goalies based on how they're playing and Austin Matthews? And I've thought about this since the question came in. So I will just go first if you want to think about it. Um, But I say you ride out having both goalies to the end of the year. And the advantage here is that Samsonov is an RFA. Yep. So you can 
wait it out and come July 1st, you can try to trade his rights if you are not in a position to re-sign him or you can evaluate the market. And see, like if there's somebody out there who's maybe going to be available that's better or a prospect goalie that's younger that you can afford to have under Murray or somebody that's going to be cheaper that's available or whatever it is. Like if, if Edmonton wants to throw five times five at Samsonov, I say, you know, you you trade his rights to whoever wants it. Yeah, you're not going to get a huge return like you would if you trade him at like the deadline, like I know Dangle was talking about doing. Uh, but I think you you hold on to both of them and ride this out through the playoffs because it's a great tandem. And then you just sit on the RFA. That's just the the convenient part of his age is that you, you are afforded a bit of a luxury there to be able to... Um, Maybe even sign and trade. Like you, you just get to look at what your cap situations like. Come join. You also have to factor in injuries too. There is absolutely yeah. no guarantee both these guys are healthy at the end of the season, right? So that can that exactly. can definitely change the trajectory of where that goes. Um, also, there's a ton of reclamation projects out there, and these guys are reclamation projects. So I wouldn't be worried, right? Especially he's talking about doing the thing. If we do the thing. Who cares? Put Wall in that then. <laughs> like, there's, it's very rare we're going to end up being like Tampa and winning three back to back or something. You know, like it's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta do the best you can do. And if there's anybody I know who can, who can make this situation, um, you know, salvageable, it's Cal Dubas. I'm worried about signing him. Right. It, it's, it's almost, yeah, really. It's almost <laughs> the same conversation as. Um, as Zach Hyman, right? It's like, you know, what do we do about it? I don't know. Maybe you find a, the next one and you find the Michael Bunting. Like, I know that's a really rare case and that was a crazy find. But I mean, you just brought Timmons in, who's been great. And Hunt has been doing exactly what he was brought in to do. So, I mean, there, your options are trust that he can find the next guy or move on from somebody else come, uh, you know, that week before july 1st when they have to resign everybody you know maybe they let um i mean simmons might not resign aston reese probably won't holmberg's an rfa you probably don't resign dryden hunt um i don't know what happens with engvall and kerfoot but i mean it, you might free up enough money that you just offer him a contract but i think it's just kind of a, a wait till after the playoffs thing because i don't see any reason in breaking this this duo up before then yeah, I agree. You have to ride it out. Um, there's no time or reason to pay anyone early besides maybe Matthews at trade deadline. But no, it's going to break everything up. Like there's 10 players who are unrestricted free agents next year. Um, four that are restricted a lot. Like the whole bottom six pretty much is done next year, except for... yeah. They're they're walking. No, it's literally everyone except for Bobby McMahon. No, he's on a emergency loan. So, yeah, it's gonna be a completely different team, bottom six wise next year, in my opinion. A lot of Marleys. Yeah, I think of all the guys that are on expiring deals, the only ones we're seeing coming back are Camp and Bunting. But that's just my hope. At least. Yeah, I don't see like they have to choose between Ingval and Kerfoot. In my opinion, you can't pay Engvall more than he's making now no. at two point two five. Like he hasn't, especially after this year, he's not played up to to earning more than that. No. And that was a you know, didn't he sign a one year at that to to try and make more? Yeah, he signed a yeah. one one year deal for that, and he's kind of blowing it. So 
And our futures yeah, are and, pretty bright, um, are they not? Like, we got guys like Matt, Matty Knees, right? Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of guys coming up um, that can come in and fill those spots. Like, look, I mean, you could call up Bobby McCann tonight. Dude makes 762.5, and so does Dryden Hunt. Like, those are steals. Mm-hmm. And you still got Bobby McCann next year if he's somebody that works out. So there's options. Um, and I think any of those could make, just to tie it back in, to make uh, keeping both goalies something that's possible. I mean, look, Edmonton has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they're spending almost $8 million on two goalies. So the Leafs can find a situation where if they want to do the same, they can. Because as of right now, Ottawa still has to pick up, you know, whatever the percentage is of Murray's contract. They're only paying him just under 4.7. Yeah. So really, if you want, you could pay Samsonov $3 million and still be paying just less than Oilers are for uh, for their two goalies. So not that it's working for them, but just for comparison. Yeah. But speaking of contracts and raises, and I just want to point out one thing from tonight's game before we move on quickly. Um, I'm sorry, is Darty's fr- face frozen for you too? Because I've just been staring at one frozen smile for the last like 10 minutes. And no, it's, it's black it's screen me. for me. It's just a big D oh. for Darty. Yeah. <laughs> But can you still hear me? Go on, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, D. You there? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. John Tavares scoring his 20th goal of the year tonight, uh, joining the 20 goal club with uh, Matthews and Nylander, and Mitch Marner sticking it to his dad because we all know how crazy his father can be. And of course, he's in the audience, right? Father's night and getting the game winning yeah. goal. Like, that's just good on you. Tying the longest uh, home point streak at 18 games with Daryl Settler. Definitely notable and another record to be broken tomorrow night. Hey, and they won this time. They broke a record. How awesome is that? Tied, but yes. Or tied. That, <laughs> oh, that means the next one they're going to no, lose. Shit. If Marta gets a point. None of that. <laughs> Get rid of that bad but juju. Yeah, take that, that. Nah, none of that. None of that. But um, just want to let you guys know: last year at this point in the season, can you guess the point? Do you know by chance the point difference uh, to what we were at forty-one games versus what we were this year? Nada. Um, I'm gonna say they. What do they have like? Four more points this year. So this year they were at 57 points at 41 games. Last year only 59. 94 goals or 94 goals for, and this year only ni- like 91. Super close. Uh, 28. Sorry, say that again. What were they at last year? 59 points. They were. And this year they're at 57. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So last year we were 28 wins, 10 losses, 3 OT losses, 26 regulation wins. Mm. This year we're at 25, 9, 7, and 25 regulation wins. So if those 7 OT losses were converted into those extra points, we're way higher than where we were before. Even if like half of them, which they should have won, I don't know if we want to get into it because I talked about this when it happened. I said these are going to be the ones. <laughs> Not that it makes a huge difference, but and you have to remember too, we're getting yeah. pretty subpar yeah. goaltending at around this time from uh, from uh, Jackie. So you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. You were also having, you were seeing a better season from uh, Kerfoot and Engvall and uh, Kasha and Mikheyev to a degree. I don't know. I feel like they had a bit more scoring from the bottom than they do this year. I found it the other way around, whereas Matthews carried a lot of the load. And this year we see um, some more of the bottom six scoring. I don't know between like for the first at least couple months like between Spezza and and I mean Kerfoot had a shit ton more points last year than he does right now true Pierre Ingvall's at eight goals um Kerfoot six we have yeah that's not share the load bunting 13 that's that's a good sign yeah yeah okay so um next game what's up next tomorrow let's sign out of here Oh, yeah, tomorrow we're against Detroit. Again? Oh, my God. So, I feel like... again, yeah. <laughs> we just did this. Yeah. We just did this. They can't keep getting Put away with this. Um, so, so what are we I'm looking at this city. time against Detroit? <laughs> well, last game was a 4-1 win. So, this game, we got to continue it, right? I think Sammy should be a net, of course. Uh, Murray got the win last game, so now it's Simpsonov's turn to get the dub. Can I just say, knock on wood, um, the Leafs have blown a lot less leads this year than last year, even though, like, points aside, they may be two less points than they were. Um, those Some of those games they lost, they were, like, ahead by two or three goals and blew them. Like, there was that 5-1 Ottawa game that they lost. Mm. That hasn't happened yet this year. I mean... Yes, there's been a couple games where it's like they score and then they give one up 20 seconds later, but they haven't gone up like, oh, yeah, it's 4-1 and now it's 5-4. What the hell just happened? Like, I swear to God, wood, Johnny. That I has swear not to God. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying that's a positive so far that I've noticed of this team compared to last year is they're, they don't sit back on leads as, as easy as they did. They tend to actually kind of turtle up and, and defend properly. Turtle, turtle. Yeah. Yeah, Turtle. Uh, I just hope it's not Turtle. a 10-7 game like last year against Detroit. Yeah, no, thank you. Are we are we so. at Detroit? Like, do we get to see uh, Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi or not? Nah? Yep. yep. Just Bertuzzi's got activated, back, right? uh, game two. He just got activated off IR. And also the COVID thing is not a thing anymore. Oh, right. Oh man, you should see some yeah. of the Yahoo comments about Bertuzzi. It's wild. Actually, no, don't go there. Not safe for work. <laughs> no, but also, like, don't it's do that. Crazy. Some of the things you, that people have been saying on it. Oh, like, like some, like that's what I really love about fantasy hockey now is not even like picking. You know, I get screwed over by Gino Malkin yesterday. I get screwed over by Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> but um, it's honestly reading some of the comments. Like, like someone wrote like for Cal Yarncroke, like. Big croak tonight. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of my favorite parts. It's sad. Um, the Ben Bishop chat was going super strong when he was on IR. A lot of people used to just have him sitting and, and like hoping one day that he'll someday play again. It was very, it was a very positive chat room, actually. It was, it was nice. But then there were others that are toxic. Oh my God. <laughs> um speaking of actually like i posted on our group chat victor arvidson getting uh ruled out of tonight's game that started at 10 o'clock at 10.08 yahoo are you kidding the chat on that was just like everyone screaming and it's just like all because you can't swear in there it's all just like random <laughs> characters and things everyone's like what is happening Flips Why? characters 
Well, because because Arvidsson's one of those guys that's like you'd pick up because someone's hurt. Like I don't know, depending on how big your league is, I don't think most people would grab him. So everybody was like, I just picked this guy up yeah. today, and like I only have him because someone's hurt. Like, are you joking? Yeah, like five games Ugh. going on tonight. Not many games tonight, so slim pickings. And I screwed up with my Tim's pick. Actually, I picked Matthews way, way too early after reading that he he was great at wow. the optional skate. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, uh, oops, whoops. I love those fantasy hockey players who are basically Oops-daisy. just like everybody's side bay because you know, like they have one bad game where they're like one hit. Maybe you know plus plus minus one, and it's like every, they're instantly dropped, even though they're like a ninety nine overall. <laughs> I literally say to my partner, like, "Time to check on my bitches." Like all my hockey players, I'm like, "Bad, <laughs> no, I'm dropping your ass right." Like I, just, oh, it's horrible. I treat them like little pets. It's bad. Anyways, the world did not need to know. Anyways, that. yeah. <laughs> I swear I have a heart. Modern Chia This pets. is only in pretend land. Yeah. It's my pretend uh, couch GM vibe. But yeah. You got the Burt's Bees, everybody. Check out. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's dry out there. <laughs> and check out InsideTheRing.com for all your pre- and post-game articles. Hell, yeah. And uh, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Because our last one's up on YouTube and hop in Discord because our Discord's fun. Lots of fun things. Yay. 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 Okay. So you, uh, are we going to do one tomorrow? We'll see. It'll be a surprise. I'm feeling lucky. We'll see. Okay. Are feeling you? Lucky. All right. <laughs> People love consistency and we love to be vague. Yeah. Have a good night. <laughs>